Happy Monday, everyone, and welcome back to Brown Bag Bets, powered by Betsburts. We are your daily dose of quick hit handicapping and sports betting picks. I'm Alex Christensen. My guess is Andy is sleeping or on a plane somewhere, possibly both. So we have today coming in. They had a great Betsburts weekend in Vegas. Matt and Dan are true heroes. They took the red eye last night so they could be home early this morning to be with us here today. How was the weekend, Matt? I heard it was. People. You know, it was a uh, first off just be, being together with the group and the Betts Burst House, every, every, everybody together all under one roof, roof, geez, roof. I can't talk because I'm a little bit tired. Uh, was a blast. But you're, you're right. Had some had some bad luck personally early on in some bets. Uh, Thursday night football did fine. Uh, Friday couldn't get couldn't get a card flip on the on the blackjack table to go my way. I was losing or pushing on 20 and 19 left and right. Uh, Saturday, I think I went like over on the college football slate, which is great because I got some college football bets for you later. Um, but uh, Sunday, I had the 49ers covering, and then that was a that was a lockup until it wasn't in the in the final two minutes there. But uh, threw up a hail mary with a with a Van Jefferson plus five thousand first touchdown score on Sunday night. That hit, and uh, that was enough to, despite all of the bad luck early on. Put me in the black for the weekend, so I, I'm glad to to go out on a high note, even though my Bears uh, didn't didn't quite go out on a high note as well. It was a good weekend for teasers, especially if you tease the San Francisco 49ers. My apologies, <sighs> condolences to everyone that got up on Sunday morning and went, you know what, this 49ers number eight and a half, this is too this is too small. Let me bet this. I have a very good friend of mine. He's a big 49ers fan. We were feeling great at halftime, joking about how we should have bet minus 14 at plus money or something like that. And then it got weird. Then the starters kind of got benched and things got really close at the end. And unfortunately, the 49ers only won by eight. So condolences to everybody that had the 49ers minus eight and a half. But luckily, the teaser we talked about last week doing pretty good. And I did also put some stuff together. So I've got some things tied up on Baltimore. Was there anything else that stuck out to you in week one of the NFL here before we get into uh, the Monday night game? Uh, really that the, the tale of two halves in, in Kansas city where, you know, Cleveland looked like, you know, where can I get their Super Bowl odds at halftime? They were just kind of dominating, doing whatever they wanted with KC. And then in the second half, it looked like they, they abandoned that aggressive game plan a, a little early and, and then tried to play keep away from Kansas city. And then, you know, when, when you take the foot off the gas against Patrick Mahomes and them, it really just kind of takes one drive to get that momentum going. And then it's really hard to start back up. And uh, boy, did they look impressive in the second half there to Kansas City. So that that game to me was, I think that might be the easy answer. That one was a lot of fun to watch. Uh, Chargers, uh, Washington was a fun, fun game. I thought Justin Herbert looked fantastic and uh, he had some high expectations. I know the the deep dive boys were, were quite high on him going into this year and even thought that you know if everything fell the right way, the Chargers could contend at least with the Chiefs in that AFC West, if it, probably not win it, but at least be there uh, with them most of the way. Um, Justin Herbert looked like at least through one week against a really good Washington defense on the road that he was going to live up to that hype because it was 20 to 16, but a couple more bounces go his way that didn't, that that game could have been a little bit more out of hand than it was. Yeah. I'll go back to the Kansas city game. I like what you said about the Browns kind of taking their foot off the gas a little bit and letting up. I think that'll be a really interesting game to look back at as the year goes on. Is this a learning moment for Cleveland where they look at themselves and go, wow, we played a really fantastic first half. Why don't we just kind of keep doing what we were doing and, you know, basically try to outrun Kansas City? Because as we've seen before, Kansas City did what they what they do. They're going to score points. It's coming at some point. Mm -hmm. So you have to put up 35, 40 points to feel safe against Kansas City. 
But it was a good game by the Browns. I think they looked pretty good. So it might be an opportunity for us throughout the week to go in and maybe get some better numbers on Browns division stuff, Super Bowl stuff. You know, they are expected to lose that game, but I wonder if people are going to overreact a little bit given how disappointing it was. The, um, the Chargers game was good. I like the Monday night game, uh, or sorry, the Sunday night game. Your Bears looked a little more heartening in the second half. At moments, they, they look like a solid football team, but it's nice to see Matt Stafford out there having fun. How did you feel about the Bears? It was uh, it was weird. I, I didn't expect it to go well because I, I didn't have don't have the highest of expectations going into this year for the Bears for obvious reasons. But I, I think it went like it went as bad as I thought, but for opposite reasons than I thought. I thought just like uh, a lot of a lot of people did, that the defense was going to be fine. Probably take a little bit of a step back. Still have a lot of that 2018 core group intact, though. That's still pretty talented, good players. They were, for the most part, no-shows defensively. The secondary is is pretty much you know, non-existent. Eddie Jackson, I'm not really sure what happened to him since that 2018 year when he signed that big contract, but he has just not been the same player since then. Um, Roquan Smith, very good, had himself a nice night. Akeem Hicks was, was pretty good up front, but other than that, that defense was just pretty, pretty miserable and looked like they were just kind of going through the motions. And then offensively, don't get me wrong, I want Justin Fields starting. I think he's the better option at quarterback. I think he's going to be a star in this league. But Andy Dalton was far from a problem last night. I think at one point he was, you know, 10 of 13, and his incompletions were a tip ball on an interception and two fourth down conversion attempts that he didn't get. Other than that, he was very efficient offensively. If not, you know, he wasn't explosive, but wasn't making mistakes, was pretty much taking care of the ball with the exception of tip ball interception. They're running the football. I know the the offensive line gets some get some slack or flack, excuse me, but the interior, the, the guard center guard are, are all pretty good players and they were able to do what they want pretty much running the ball with David Montgomery. But the, the defense was surprisingly not good and very not good. They, they just, they could not stop anything. Secondary was just not really even there. So that was, that was disappointing to me. Not surprised that they lost, but surprised in how they lost. Yeah, I thought maybe it was a little closer than the score indicated. I thought in the third quarter there, you guys had a chance to get it pretty tight. I, I gone for it on that fourth down was really strange. I don't know if that made sense to anybody. I thought you were kind of in. I thought you were kind ball. of in no man's land there because I know you're supposed to kick the field goal and that gets you to ten, and then it, it still keeps it a two score game though. And I, I, fourth and fifteen is unlikely. Um, Bears have had a yeah, pretty that's good kicking game fourth since. since so it's unlikely, but at the same time, with how that defense was playing stopping Matthew Stafford and that offense and then that passing game, that attack two times in a row was almost as unlikely in, in my eyes. And I think that's, if you don't go for it, you kick the field goal and then the, the Rams score, you know, on a, on a five play driver, milk the clock and score, and you don't really get, get another chance. I think because of who Matt Nagy is and how Bears fans feel about him, they're probably saying the same thing. Well, we shouldn't, we should have gone for it. We should have been aggressive. So I'd, I'm not saying I wouldn't have kicked, but I also understand it. And I think it was a little bit of a no-win situation there because the game was kind of over and it was be aggressive or don't and then still probably lose. Yeah, it's it's definitely not a great situation to be in. But I think that's just about everything from Sunday. Let's jump into the Monday night game. We've got just one game. I, somebody tweeted this out. I forgot. Usually there's two Monday night football games. Yeah, we always one, have the there? this one. This would usually be the late one because they usually have a West Coast game and then like an East Coast game. I was a little bit disappointed when I get the one. Yeah, we've got Raider, Ravens Raiders. And I was kind of thinking about back in the Ravens. I know a couple sharp people that are on the Ravens here at this number, but you guys were in Vegas, and I heard some whispers that uh, Baltimore got there a little bit early and might have been having some fun the last couple of days. Was uh, was there anything you can report on? Nothing I can report on personally, um, but I, I did, 
upset to hear sharps like the the Ravens minus the four because I, I kind of tend to lean towards Vegas just because of how we saw a lot of the underdogs play this week and keep games close and there I think there were a lot of outrights here I think eight of them outright one um no running backs really for Baltimore I, Vegas is going to come out I think at home fans for the first time in that stadium I think they're going to be a, a tough out well I'm not sure they win the game I think I like them to cover that three at home, even though Baltimore is the better team. They're they're learning how to play without some some key players on the offensive side of the ball. And there's going to be a lot of pressure on Lamar Jackson to kind of do just about everything. Um, so I th- think I like Vegas that that four number, but why why should I be on Baltimore at the minus four? I guess it just seems to me to be just a huge talent imbalance here. What, what I struggle to see is how the Raiders are really going to score enough points on this Baltimore defense. You know, if the Raiders are going to win this game or keep it close, I think maybe you look at them in the first half um, because I think Baltimore is going to have to start slow. If they come out, you know, they don't score a touchdown on those first couple drives, maybe they have to kind of kick field goals. It almost kind of what happened to the Falcons um, yesterday. They come out, have two really nice drives, can't get it close, basically come away with six points in a spot where should have had 10, maybe 14. If, if you get a spot like that with Baltimore and then, you know, the Raiders get a touchdown or something like that, then maybe things get a little tight and a little dicey, but I look at this Baltimore attack. I think that they're going to be able to kind of do what they want and pick apart this Raiders defense a little bit on the other side of the ball. You know, the Raiders offense is pretty interesting. They've got Kenyon Drake, Josh Jacobs. The line's fairly solid. There's some interesting receivers there. I think Derek Carr is kind of an underrated quarterback. So, you know, like you said, with the home field and, and the fans behind them for the first time, maybe the Raiders can get ahead of the Ravens early here, but I think this has a chance to be Ravens and possibly Ravens by a lot. So, you know, maybe look at the four. I'm going to maybe look at like a six, six and a half, something like that for fun. Maybe see if I can sell out to some extra points. Um, and we'll get the first touchdown score in a little bit. Was there any other markets that stuck out to you here? Not really. Um, I, after hearing you talk, I don't think I mind that over. I know it's, I know it's a lot of points. And I, I think if the, Ra- if the Raiders aren't going to be able to play too much defense, like you were kind of saying there, um, I, I do think they will be able to score because I'm also I'm a Derek Carr fan. I think he's pretty good. Darren Waller is one of the best tight ends in, in football. They do have uh, two pretty solid running backs. Uh, I know the offensive line is a little bit depleted, but I, I still think they are going to be able to move the ball and put some points up. So that that over 50, I, I, I don't think I mind, even though the Ravens are shorthanded in the backfield. I think Lamar against that defense might be able to do some things. I'm thinking the Raiders team total here would be right around 23, it looks like. Maybe you could take yeah. like a Raiders team total over something like that. That might be interesting. Yeah, I'm curious to see. This will maybe be from a total perspective. I'll try to attack the second half. Curious to see uh, what Andy and Drew have in the second half of their show um, for the deep dive. I don't think the, the under, I don't think, held on yesterday, but we'll see how they do tonight. I think this might be a spot for like a, a second half over. I'm curious to see again how it starts. Um, could be a little clunky, but should be a fun game. And of course, it's prime time, Matt. So do you know what we have? We got first touchdown score. First bet. touchdown market, so let's do it. It's one of my favorite bets. The people love this. Didn't uh, get the win on Thursday night, unfortunately, but we'll try again here. Um, as I look at tonight's game, you know, obviously I like tight ends, and I look at here, we see some pretty good prices. Mark Andrews last year, you know, was generally kind of in the plus 700 range. Should get him at plus 850, and what I think is going to be a really nice matchup is a really nice number to me. You know, as I talked about, this Raiders defense is pretty soft. Uh, they were susceptible to tight ends last year, and I don't see any reason they wouldn't be this year. So I like Andrews here at plus 850. 
and we'll talk about the receivers in a second a little bit more. But gotta also like Andrews on a team where you know they're looking at not having necessarily their entire receiver core. We'll see what Hollywood Brown has. We'll see if Sammy Watkins can stay healthy for an entire football game. And then there's a third name down there we'll talk about in a second. Darren Waller, you know, as I look at the Raiders, um, you know, interesting receiver core, but it's hard for me to kind of pick out a best receiver there. As you look at the prices, I think the market is a little bit murky. So I, I was hoping for some of those guys in the 20s, maybe even 30s, and they're all kind of in the 15 or so range, less than 20. Do like Waller here, though, at 10 to 1. You know, he is going to be the best receiver on the field for the Raiders. Somebody Carr looks at quite a bit. And I'm curious to see if he can take advantage of Micah Parsons, who might be on him, you know, come red zone time, the younger Lundbecker there. Derek Carr at 40 to 1 is someone I'm going to play every week at this number. He scores about three to four rushing touchdowns per year. Generally, one of those is a first touchdown score, you know, not to play the trend or anything, but he is someone that is a little more mobile than people give him credit. And given the way the Raiders kind of play and how they might struggle again from a receiver standpoint, although it is an interesting group, the top end talent maybe isn't there. I think there's a great chance we see him kind of roll out and bootleg or kind of sneak in that way. He's also not afraid to do the sneak kind of on one and goal. So Derek Carr, 40 to one is a number we'll be playing. And I mentioned the Ravens wide receiver room. They've got Watkins and Hollywood Brown, but we're going to have DuVernay is going to be the third receiver here. I think he's going to be working underneath quite a bit at 50 to one on the team that I think has the best offense and is most likely to score first. I've got a third receiver. I think he is going to be on the field. And with Watkins again out there and Marquise Brown is not going to get a ton of attention from this Raiders defense. So hopefully we'll get something soft in the middle, either DuVernay underneath, maybe Andrews or Carr sneaks in or gets it to Waller. So four names tonight for me for the first touchdown scores. Yeah, I, while you were mentioning bring it, breaking those down, I, I kind of brought up the first line odds myself, and I, I didn't really love most of them. Like you were saying, there didn't seem to be a whole lot of value. I think I, I think I like Darren Waller. If, if you can get him at that plus a thousand, get him, you know, ten to one. I do like that. Lamar, I, four and a half to one. There's just not a whole lot of value there. I like the Mark Andrews pick for them. Yeah, Ravens games are tough because of Lamar Jackson. They generally place him around anywhere from plus 350 to plus 450, depending on the opponent and kind of who else is healthy there. As you mentioned earlier, the Ravens running back room is a lot different. I like Tyson Williams a lot. Um, if you're going to play DFS mm -hmm. and stuff tonight, I think he's a great pick. Um, if you don't, if he's still a free agent for some reason in your fantasy league, go pick him up. Um, but I won't be backing him here at some of the prices I see. Any other thoughts before we jump into some tennis? No, let's do it. Take it away. Tennis persists, no matter what's going on. We've got two tournaments this week. The U.S. Open finished up. Um, the women go back to Europe. The first tournament is going to be in Luxembourg. Two smaller events, basically what we're going to have for the next couple of weeks. Um, the women are floating around between Europe and North America before Indian Wells, which will be just at the beginning of October. So for the next three weeks, kind of some smaller events. Um, which are interesting opportunities for us to back younger players, interesting opportunity for us to maybe fade some bigger names that aren't necessarily locked in on some of these opportunities. And the first match we have here, this one starts pretty quickly. So apologies to anybody listening to the podcast a little bit later. You might miss this one. This match looks like it's underway at about 15 to 20 minutes in Luxembourg. Anastasia Potapova is going to play Alizé Cornet. Cornet, a very solid tour veteran, but Potapova is someone who – you know, has kind of a wide range of expectations, which can be good, which can be bad. But as someone I really like to back as an underdog because very talented young player who 
has been starting to put it together this season, but in general can achieve a very high level at almost a moment's notice. And somebody like Cornet doesn't necessarily have the talent that she does. You know, Cornet is an older player, again, a veteran, a much more solid game. There's a chance that she puts away this match. But as I start to look at some things and the way Potapova has been playing, I have this much closer to like plus 160, plus 150. So plus 200 looks nice. And I'm going to take the plus four and a half games as well. Thought about taking plus one and a half sets. Um, there is a little bit of a risk here that we see Potapova win a set like 7-5 and then kind of get knocked around for two sets. So four and a half uh, looks pretty good to me, though. Um, that's a pretty solid number. So we'll take the underdog there. And then we're going to Slovenia to Portoros, um, where we've got another tournament. Start with the parlay. Anna Kalinskaya is, and Teresa Martinkova. Kalinskaya playing Danka Kovinic, um, a young player, very solid clay court player, but kind of being priced more to her acuity on clay as opposed to the hard courts that they're on here. Uh, this number has Kalinskaya right around minus 230. I have her close to minus 300. As I look at Martin Sova, she's someone that I'm backing a lot in some of these smaller hard court tournaments. We did well on her earlier in the year, and I think she's going to have a nice couple weeks here. She's right around minus 175 against Christina Kokova. Again, I have this out almost to minus 250, so a pretty solid edge there. Instead of laying the juice individually, happy to put them together at plus money. And then another underdog play, similar to Potapova, but Irani is a, a much older player, um, frankly. She's been on the tour for quite a while, but someone that had plus 200 against a player like Angelina Kalanina, a young player who had a nice play season, is still transitioning to hard courts. I don't think that Kalanina should ever be this big of a favorite over someone like Irani, who is going to push her and you know really make her win the match versus kind of losing it herself. So plus 200 looks nice to me. A couple underdogs and a parlay for us this afternoon, Matt. Love it. I don't have much further input on that, but if you're telling me that we got a couple plus 200 values, I, 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 I'm always in on those. We love the underdogs. Now, you love college football. This is not my forte. I did watch a little college football this weekend. Um, apologies to anybody that backs South Alabama, but the rest of the weekend oh, went all right. Tough. What did yeah, you have the, here as we look ahead? The entire Betsperts crew, we were, all of us at Stadium Swim, kind of got in on South Alabama as our every, everybody's going to get in on that bet. And uh, that one, that one didn't really go our way. The karma didn't fall our, our, in our Started favor. Started ugly, finished uglier. It did, and that's okay. Those are going to happen sometimes. College football has been a roller coaster already for me through through two weeks. Week one, I was like six and one, six and two. Did really well last week. I granted, I threw a lot more at the uh, at the table, being at the stadium swim, but uh, I, I I did not have it go my way uh, like I did week one. So we're going to try and get back on the right track. Um, Cincinnati has really two games this year that they're going to have a chance to, to kind of put on a show to, to make a statement towards the committee. Unfortunately for them, Indiana didn't hold their, uh, hold their end of the agreement up against Iowa and they lost that game in week one, but still this is a game that Cincinnati has to go out and they have to win by a lot. They kind of have to be dominant if they want any chance in this game and against Notre Dame, if they want to be a playoff team, they're laying just the three and a half. They've been against two bad teams, granted, really good this year. I, I love that team. Brought back most of their defense. Brought back their quarterback. Love their head coach and Luke Fickle. Um, I, I think they go on the road and win that game by a lot because they kind of have to. Uh, Michigan State, Miami, under 54 and a half. Uh, Miami hasn't been overly impressive. They, they did get that, that win against App State at home in a tight one. They got blown out by Alabama, but everybody gets blown out by Alabama. Uh, Michigan State, I know they've scored done a little bit of scoring so far early on. Uh, they, they put up 38 on the road against Northwestern. I still kind of see that uh, them kind of playing more of a Big Ten style game on the road in a hostile environment against Miami. I just don't really buy into Miami's offense fully yet. Michigan State usually plays pretty solid defensively. 
So I think if it goes that way, I think under 54 and a half is the play there. Uh, Fresno State, UCLA. Fresno State played Oregon, who now we know is a pretty darn good football team. On the road, really tight. Lost that one 31-24 in week one uh, at Oxford Stadium. I like them as a football team. I think they can score. UCLA, I think we saw in week one at home against LSU, can absolutely score the football. And Chip Kelly's is as good of an offensive mind in, in college when, when he can get things going as there is. Uh, that team seems to be clicking. He's got his guys. So I expect those teams to kind of go back and forth. I do think UCLA ends up winning that one outright, but Fresno State doesn't really have to deal with the hostile crowd of Watson Stadium. I think they play pretty well. I think they put it up, uh, put up a good fight, but I think eventually UCLA is just the more, uh, more talented team there. And then Penn State laying the six and a half. Um, this is more of a fading Bo Nix play. Uh, I do like Penn State. They, they beat Wisconsin on the road, obviously in week one, and in much more of a, a big 10 back and forth, low scoring battle. Uh, Auburn just, Auburn hasn't been impressive much of the last couple seasons. And Bo Nix is, you know, he's been supposed to have been so good after getting that a couple big wins early on in his career, but he is, I believe I was looking it up this morning, like one and six or one and seven on the road against ranked teams. I like Penn state in happy Valley in in a a hostile crowd. I think Bo Nix gets a little bit flustered. I don't think Auburn's all that good new head coach this year. They're kind of in a little bit of a rebuilding process, even though they still do have uh, Bo Nix under center. But th- this is, again, more of a fading Bo Nix play. I think Penn State's good. I think they're going to be in the conversation in the Big Ten all year, especially now with Ohio State dropping that game. We're not really sure what they are. Uh, so I'm going to lay the six and a half uh, at home against Auburn. I believe that's that's at night under the lights and the whiteout and all that kind of stuff, too. Oh, yeah, that should and be. I, College football, I know that doesn't necessarily necessarily always matter in the pros, but those types of environment in the college game are part of the reason why I love it so much. And I think that that plays a big, big part, big impact, not only for Penn State, but again, fading Bo Nix. Yeah, I like that Penn State number, not just as a Penn State fan, but I think that trips out to seven. So I, I think you're going to get a little bit yeah. of CLB there, which is nice. I love Big Ten unders, so Michigan State, Miami under 54. I'm all aboard mm-hmm. there. West Big Coast Ten unders. under, and then I got a Pac-12 over. There you go, yeah. Right. Well, Pac-12, do you think that'll be a nighttime game? It is. It's a Pac-12 after dark game, and I don't know about you, but those are my favorite games on the slate, especially if you can take that over. So give me a Pac-12 after dark over. I know Fresno State's not technically in the Pac-12. They're a West Coast (laughs) team. They play a lot of Pac-12 opponents. They're probably as good as a Pac-12 team this year. So that, that, that for me is Pac-12 after dark. Maybe I'll look to try and find some alt overs there. Stack, stack up a few numbers there for fun for some late night action there on Saturday. But thanks, everybody. I think that's just about all we have for covering. Thank you, Matt. Thank you, Dan, for, again, doing the red eye. That's terrible. What a mess. Go get some sleep. Go take a nap. Go have something to eat and relax for the rest of the day. The rest of you, of course, check out WinBet. If you haven't signed up already, give you a couple great options there for your risk-free bet. A couple big tennis underdogs there. I like just about all of Matt's college opportunities you can get on there as well. Up to 500 most places, up to 1,000 a few places. Again, thank you to WinBet for giving you the opportunity to do something like that. We love giving you away free money. And, of course, they let us do all the wonderful things here. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, Matt. Anything else to the people here before we sign off? No, good luck tonight.